Hey folks, my name is Lana Winterhalt, and you are now part of the Good and Plenty Producers Club. We're going to be talking to women, non-binary, and trans femme audio engineers and producers from across the country and get to know their creative process. Let's have some fun. Folks, I am super excited to have on the podcast with me today, Denise Dion. I like to uh, call you D because I saw it once and somebody called you D once and I thought, I'm sticking with that. That's sick. So D, welcome. It's not allowed. I will not respond to that at all. <laughs> I reject. I reject it. Rejected. You can call me D. I was just kidding. Oh, I know. You're a real jokester. You're a real prankster. Me? I have not one humorous bone in my body. (laughs) Just so serious all the time. All the time. Very stoic. Oh, man. Very stoic, yeah. D, why don't you just start by giving us a little intro into who you are and what you do? Okay, so I am a producer, artist, and songwriter, and I am born and raised in Toronto. I also spent a little bit of time in Guelph. Um, And yeah, I I just make like tunes that to me just feel really good and uh, just make you move or make you want to just like sit in your chair and move whatever you feel like doing. Um, Yeah, just I just love creating music. I'm a creative overall. I'd say that. Love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You you definitely are. And by following your Instagram, you're also uh, fly as hell with your outfit looks. You really got some some creative style as well that you uh, you like to show the world. Oh, darling. Thank you. Thank you. I'm still looking for sponsorships so I can spend less money on these <laughs> fly outfits. So anybody right. out there that wants to just buy me clothes... I will, yep. I will accept, I will not reject. I will. Perfect. Not. Yep. Well, this is an official advertisement for Denise to get some sponsors. So if you're, if you're listening, she uh, needs some, needs some clothes and shoes. So don't, uh, I don't need clothes and don't make it you don't so need desperate. Them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like she imagine needs, if, if you get just that sound bite, clothed. she needs clothes and shoes. <laughs> and then you hear the, the sad violin music. For just three dollars a day, <laughs> you can help a producer get clothes and shoes. <laughs> oh my god! Ah, oh, damn. Oh well. Okay, so yeah, born and raised in Toronto, and why don't we just start at the beginning? What brought you into the music world? What brought you into the world of of production? And you can feel free to tell us as long or as short as a version as you desire. Cool, cool. I mean, I started off more like, you know, as a singer songwriter, as you know, a young teenager writing my own little songs and uh, just trying to kind of figure it out on my own. Like I wasn't really formally trained, but had a little bit of little keyboard and I would just kind of go on that keyboard from time to time and just just play around with it and see what sounds I could kind of come up with but I mean at the time I didn't really have any sort of like recording source to capture any of that so I was just really just experimenting the best way that I knew how 
Um, and then it got to a point where I was like, you know what? I want to learn how to actually do this. I want to learn how to make music. I don't really have anyone that can show me how to do it. So I took the initiative and I went to school. I went to um, the International Academy of Design, actually. Mm. And I did. I studied uh, recording arts technology. That was the full program name. And uh, the short form would be RAT. So I never would... <laughs> proudly shout out that i'm a rat yo i'm a graduate rat. <laughs> i'm a rat <laughs> what are you <laughs> yeah so um good times there because that just really um i mean the program itself was more designated to kind of showing me the recording mixing side of things and mm. a little bit of live but we definitely had um, opportunities to you know produce a little bit here and there and I, I got introduced to Logic and Reason and um, Reason is still my drug of choice I mean my dog of choice hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> it's my dog of choice but nice. it's it's yeah and there's there there are other DAWs that I, I kind of want to learn how to use a bit more and more hardware as well hmm. but that's the that's the main one and, but I, I I would say that like for me as a producer like I've dabbled in all of them at one point I was using uh Fruity Loops hmm. um but I just felt I just felt that like and this is getting into, into gear talk and production talk mm -hmm. that you know using FL Studio it was a lot more like intensive on my computer um, in terms of it ha mm. handling the tasks and reason everything was just like in the box all the vsts and plugins were in the box you didn't have to use anything external so my computer could handle it better and so that's why i ended up kind of using that and not even like really delving too deep into fl studio um right yeah and and i mean it's one of those daws that a lot of people like when I mention that this is a DAW that I use, people are like, "Oh, really? I didn't like I didn't know it existed." Yeah, pretty much. Um, because everybody's used to like the FLs and the Abletons and even the Logics of the world, but um, yeah. But you know, here I am using Reason, and I I just think it's just about just finding what works for you. Um, totally. Yeah, and there there are definitely moments where Reason makes me want to pull out my hair. <laughs> Um, and, and in those moments, I'm like, you know what? I'm buying Ableton right now. Yeah. Screw this. And then I don't do it. And I stick with reason. And then I also discover like little neat tricks and other things that I could do. So yeah, it's always a discovery for me, but I would like to, you know, experiment with like Ableton. What do you use actually? I'm on logic. I was about to yeah. say, you look like a logic girl. I'm a logic girl. What can I say? Well, yeah, you know I, what? I will use the reason and you will use the logic. I love it. <laughs> look at us. I know. <laughs> yeah. So witty, look darling. So witty. <laughs> Just a couple of witty, witty gals. Yep. Yeah. No, I think I think you said it best. Like, find whatever, whatever works for you. You know, there's people who learned you know their first DAW was was Cubase and so now they've been like Cubase right. users forever or you know DAWs right. that I would I would look at and be like oh my goodness that looks so complex or like I have no idea how to wrap my brain around this DAW you know people are like well this is what I learned on so this is what what makes the most sense to me you know and I think um there's obviously definitely a a pretty pretty strong bridge between Mac users for those who started on 
garage band you know playing around yeah. and then just kind of moved to move to logic so yeah it's definitely just finding whatever works for mm-hmm. for you and 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 your skills yeah I, I will say, like, I mean, I did start off with Reason on PC. And then once I discovered, like, I, I got a, a MacBook. Um, it was a 2012 uh, MacBook. And I got it, I think, back in, like, maybe 2016. And after that, I was just like, once you go Mac, you don't go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true that. So true that. I, yeah, I just, I think, at least for me, I, I noticed that it just runs a bit smoother just using Mac. So that's always been my, mm. um, you know, preference in terms of like the actual OS and computer itself. But right. Yeah. Use, use yeah. what you use, you know? Yeah, totally. And when you went to, when you went to school, did, did they use Reason as well? Did you mention that? Yeah. Reason was on there. I mean, it was just like a demo version. Um, and, but logic was also on there. And obviously because like a lot of the computers were Mac, you were going to get more like of a fuller version of logic, but like the reason again, why, and this was after I left school, you know, you know, that producer friend gave me that copy. And so that's why I ended up using reason and at the time I was actually using FL Studio first and then I got reason and I was yeah I was using FL Studio first I don't remember which version I think it was maybe around like version eight seven or eight um and then got the copy of reason and then I was like ah cool and for the longest time like reason was just reason is like it's that stubborn stubborn five-year-old that like you you keep telling it to do something and it's just like no i don't i i'm going to re- be resistant i don't want to do it i don't want to do it like for the longest time reason wasn't an open platform for vsts and that was one of the biggest like drawbacks and i think it was around like version 6 6 6 and a half um that it was still not vst and then i think around version 7 8 it opened things up, but it's like everybody, everybody on like one of the biggest draws to FL Studio for people is that you can kind of personalize it with like your own VSTs um, and drum kits. And that was one of that was a huge draw for people like who wanted to like just use something that, you know, they could get other sounds and plugins and work with it. And then reason was right. just being resistant against that for a very long time. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's it's always interesting. It's always interesting, like the the DAW talk. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because like you can like delve into it so much. Yeah, but it it's just it's really about assessing, and this is something that I also like encourage aspiring producers to do is to like really just take inventory of what it is you're trying to do for yourself um, and then go from there because that'll determine because if you say to me like hey I, I want to get like a, a software that I can use it while I'm you know playing music live right I would probably say I would say something like Ableton because I, I I've heard great things about that one for for live music and you know producing on the fly like that mm-hmm. like that's you know, something I would suggest, but at the end of the day, they all, you know, they're all going to do the same, same thing. Yeah. They're going to allow you to produce, allow you to record, allow you to do some mixing. And, and to be honest, actually, I think that that single, the single home run, Mm -hmm. um, I think I, I did a lot of the mixing directly on reason because it's very like, yeah, it's very one stop for me. And, and 
also being able to just spit out all of my ideas, like with the production and the vocals included. And sometimes my writing doesn't even include me like creating the beat and then like listening to it and writing on a pen and pad. Sometimes my writing is literally as I'm building the beat. So right. being able to do that all at once in reason, um, it, it, it's great. And there's a lot of really cool effects in reason, cool automation. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love that for, for what it has in terms of that stuff. Cool. And so one thing I think, you know, it's a it's a good transition time now since you brought up your single home run that just came out. Uh, I think it would be awesome to hear a little clip of it and, you know, be able to dive in a bit more to your uh, creation process and what, you know, where you kind of begin and, and what um, what that's that's like for you. But I do want to ask just before we listen. Um, so you you mentioned that you you know, it's reason is very one stop because you're you're building the beats, um, you know, and a lot of people in the uh, rap and, and hip hop world, um, they, you know, buy their beats or buy their samples from from somebody else. But you are making your own you're, you're making your own your own beats. And and do you uh, I'm curious to hear, do you ever use samples or do you just kind of create uh, from the ground up your your whole track oh it honestly it, it depends because mm. I, I feel like like I allow the music the sound whatever it is whatever inspires me at the time I just allow that inspiration to kind of flow the way that it needs to flow like if if I hear um if I hear a really cool sample and then I'm like I'm thinking to myself oh I should sample this then I'm gonna I'm gonna do it um I think in, in like I, I've I haven't really been sampling as much because you know I, I kind of work a lot in the sync world um and a lot of times not a lot of times like pretty much all the time they'll ask you is this is this cleared or is this a sample is this original so I've kind of steered away from that a little bit but I feel like creativity is creative so if something inspires you like I'd say I usually just say just just to go with it don't don't listen to it and be like you know what I, I don't want to touch this because you know if someone picks this up and if there's a sample on it like may not be able to clear it that's too much thinking right too much thinking yeah but I, I I will say in this day and age my the sampling for me has kind of morphed into getting loop loop packs from producers um, or, or other musicians. Right. And so they will send me, you know, like, for example, like a guitarist who just, you know, created like 20 riffs. They might send me like a pack of those riffs. And then what I can further do is I could take those riffs and I can maybe throw it into a sampler and I could chop it up and I could kind of play it out of order. Um, and and re like and interpret it in my own sort of way. So that's kind of my I guess version of sampling things these days, or um or or finding like royalty free samples. So like going on something like Splice or Tracklib, and you find something on there, and you you download that and you sample it. Um, that's that's such a, that's such a popular thing. Um, right. Sp Splice, I I. I more so use it these days just for like the, the drum sounds because I I find that, you know, when something becomes like a trend and everybody 
kind of gravitates to it and gets put onto it, um, like then you start hearing it everywhere. Yeah. Like there's there's this this one song that I created um, back in 2020, and it's this guitar sample, and I did I did a I did a full song to it. I still have it on my hard drive, but then I heard the same guitar sample on Division's album. Oh wow. And then, yeah, and then, like, a few days ago, I was watching, I can't remember which show I was watching, but I was watching some sort of show, and then I heard the guitar sample again, and Whoa. I was just like, I was like, ugh, this, yeah. is, this is this is a reason. But when I listened back to it, I had actually, I f- totally forgot that what I had actually ended up doing was getting a guitarist to replay mm. and kind of put his own flair on it. So, like, something like that, it kind of, you know, it kind of changed it up a little bit um cool yeah no that's very cool well why don't we yeah listen to a a clip of your song home run that just came out on february 18th i believe was the date yeah you got it cool february 18th uh so we'll listen to a little clip of that and then we can chat about it a bit cool let's do it yeah 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 I play the field, but it was always just a losing game. Down and out, I was down for the count. But now I'm playing for love. Put my heart right in your glove. Tell me you won't give up. This could be something Denise what an incredible song truly you like know how to get the energy moving in a track I'm telling you that you do um why don't you tell us just a little bit about that track what was the creation process like for for that track and and maybe even just break down a little bit of of what sort of sounds you're using and and um yeah I guess how your creative process worked when when it came to this song Okay, so for me, in terms of, you know, melodies and creating melodies, sometimes I'm on the computer and I'm just playing something or I'm going through sounds, or sometimes I just have melodies that randomly like pop into my head. So I was in the kitchen and that string sample, that basic, like that popped into my head. And usually if I don't have like uh, some sort of recording device, like my phone near me, which I didn't, I'll just be singing it over and over again, or I'll have it replaying over and over in my head. And then I'll go up on the computer and I'll just like try and lay it, lay it down. So that's what I did with that. So it started with the strings. um, And then I started to build onto it more and more. And um, I'm not sure what part the the words actually came together but um once i once i kind of get into the swing of like 
you know, a, actually a, a song, like a full song, like I, I have to fight myself not to keep adding to it. And just knowing that point of like, okay, this is, this is done. I don't want to add anything more to it. I'm, I'm done with it because like, that's, that's, that is like one of the biggest enemies sometimes for us creatives. Hmm. And what I've kind of like really recognized what I try to, you know, just kind of adhere to this is recognizing that like no two days are the same. Right. And we're, we're, con- we're constantly growing as human beings. Right. So how, how you feel about something today versus last week, it's, it's totally different or your view on something today versus last week might totally be different. So with, with this knowledge in mind, it's like, it's the same thing with your music. You're constantly growing. And so if you recognize that, then you'll be able to kind of be at peace, Hmm. so to speak, with the fact that you created the song and then maybe like two weeks later, oh, I could have added this. Or a year later, I could have added this. Oh man, I wish I had done this. Like, I I don't like to really like live in that place anymore because if I feel like if I live in that place, I'm going to continually be going back to the song and it will never get done. So it definitely got... It definitely got to a point where I was just like, okay, this is this is done. I don't want to add anything more. I just want to leave it alone. And you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. I think I think for the for me, in terms of like going back in, I'll usually be going back in to do tweaks to like when I'm in the mixing phase, uh, the mixing phase, or like once all of the vocals are in there, um, the arrangement because you know. And this is this is something that I think is a is it's a strength for me um, as as a producer. I really think about, you know, the artists on the song, whether that be myself or another artist and how how the the song is going to like how it's going to be a journey throughout the song once there's like actual vocals on there. Right. So Hmm. so how if I if I had just created the beat and then I recorded or I wrote to it. Um, I'm probably going to go back into it and then I'm going to be removing certain instruments because I don't know what might be conflicting, what might be fighting with the vocals. So I feel like that's, that's something to always reevaluate, um, and be open to, you know, certain changes. Um, cool. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, yeah. And so you just mentioned as well, you will produce some, some tracks for yourself or, or potentially for, for other people to sing on. Um, how do you go about finding clients? How, how do you go about finding people to collaborate with and, and what sort of, um, yeah, what sort of form have those collaborations taken? Like, do you, is that something you do often or, or, um, yeah, interested just to hear your, your, um, work with, with other folks as well? You know, it, like it, I, there, I don't think there's really a right way. Sometimes it might be I might reach out to somebody. Um, like I, I've taken like a liking to doing remixes. So if I hear if I hear a song from someone, I might be like, "Hey, are you open to me remixing this?" And then you know we kind of build from there. Because at that point, like it, it, I already have the vocals. Um, right. Like the song's already done you know and so I can kind of like work off of like what's already been created as opposed to like creating a fresh pack of you know beats sending that out to them and then they have to you know create something new for that um but 
yeah, I have a lot of fun with that. Um, and I, I think that, you know, with social media, it's given us, you know, this advantage of being able to kind of put ourselves out there um, for the world to, to see, for the world to hear. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens and if something spreads, you know, like wildfire, if someone sees something, then, you know, it, it's it really helps when you utilize social media. And then people see how you're using it and they're like, yo, this is dope. I, like, can you send me stuff? Like I have, I have a, a couple of like beat packs that I have to actually send out to people, you know, and I, or I'm always like thinking about, okay, you know, maybe this person, this would be cool for. Um, but again, I, I also do, like I said, a lot of work in the sync world. Um, and I think like with, with how my beats are, um, I like to tell a story with the beat, you know, I like for the arrangement to to kind of grow. Right. Like it may start off, may, may start off very simple um, with maybe like a, a little like s- some chords, some melody in the beginning. And then maybe the next like four bars I'm introducing, you know, the hi hat, And then the next four bars after that, you have the melody, the hi hat, the drums. And then next four bars, maybe you have another different type of melody or riff so it's that's the arrangement um and i find i find that like in the sync world like the sync world they love that kind of stuff right they don't they don't want something that is just so static and it's just like you just sent something you sent me a three minute beat and it's been looping for the entire three minutes what can i do with this nothing you know so i i try to to kind of give that um, sort of energy in my production, which depending on the, like, I, I realized too, and, and also because I come from the beat battle world where that was something that you had to do. You have 45 seconds to a minute. And within those, within that time frame, you have to really like, you're, you're trying to sway your audience. So if you're trying to sway your audience for 45 seconds to a minute with a loop, it's, they're going to get bored. So how do you keep their attention? Right. And so because I, I kind of grew a lot in that world, I have a lot of beats like that, that they are cool as beats, but may not, may just be cool and have legs all on its own without any sort of vocals on it. So being able, being able to send that over to you, you know, the world of sync again, you know, they love that stuff. Right. Um, I and yeah. I truly think that yeah that's what that's what sets apart you know a, a good beat maker from a great beat maker and I'm you know gonna pump your tires a little bit but I think you do a phenomenal job at um, yeah like you're saying growing that that composition so there's it keeps it interesting and I think um, you know there are a lot of beats that you hear that are just like you're saying the the loop of the same four bars or whatever um, mm-hmm. but yeah I think you do I think you do an incredible job of, of keeping it exciting keeping it growing and and I think you're good at what you do <laughs> to say I, the least I, thank you darling you know I of appreciate course. I appreciate the compliment I will take that to the bank and deposit it yeah well, you know I wish I could deposit it and it would actually be real money but I it's know. not but it's okay I'll just ah, it's okay just keep paying you in compliments until I can pay you in it's sh- shoes <laughs> money 
Oh yeah. Or shoes. Uh, yeah. We love it. We, we love it. Love it. Yeah. We well, it. I would love to hear just a little bit about um you know, you've you've been up to some very cool things over the last I mean, forever, but especially throughout COVID. You've had some really awesome uh opportunities and and things come up. So, why don't you just you know, tell us a little bit about what you've been working on lately and what sort of projects you've, um, yeah, been taking on and, and what has life looked for you lately as a, as a producer? Um, well, I, I think one of the highlights of 2021, not I think, it, the, definitely the highlight of 2021 was being able to work with Bacardi. Mm. They, they had this campaign called The Music Liberates Music campaign and so the the general idea was there's this big brand and they're really trying to kind of stand behind and support you know female producers Hmm. and also like another part to that is that they include a mentor um, of their choosing and you get to work with the mentor so I got to work with with uh, Boy Wanda Wow. Um, Grammy nominated. Yeah, it was it was actually it was it was really cool because um, he he's someone who he is uh, like a legend here in Toronto. Mm. You know, yeah. if you if you've heard music from Drake, then you've heard music from Boy Wonder. That's like one of his main producers. So he's someone who um, like funny enough, like I've known him easily for maybe about like 10 years or so. But I've known him more in passing, you know, like I remember when he was first kind of coming up, um, I had a producer friend of mine that invited him to like his studio and uh, I got to play him some music. So that was the first time that I met him. And then thereafter, you know, we'd be at events. I'd see him at these events and it'd just be like, like, hey, what's up? Kind of kind of thing. So this campaign really allowed us to kind of like you know, kind of solidify him being able to hear more of my sound and what I do and how, you know, I've evolved. Hmm. And yeah, and and lo- allowing us to kind of bridge that connection. And uh, like the other, the third piece of this was that we were, our objective for this was to create um, an NFT single. Hmm. So this, this whole NFT and, and, like people will hit me up and be like, oh, I need you to talk to me and tell me about this NFT world. And it's still something that I'm I'm still learning about. I'm still learning about because I, I did it more under the wing of a bigger brand who, you know, they kind of took care of, of certain things like, you know, uploading it and the sales. Um, and so I, I didn't get to, it wasn't my own baby. You know, I didn't get to like really dig into it and understand it as much you know as I want to and I I will you know it's just like I'm trying to put one foot in front of the other and eventually get myself to you know releasing something in the nft world uh not sure what that's going to be just yet but I I definitely want to dabble in that world cool and um like overall it was a pretty cool experience just you know working with that brand and, uh, you know, it, it keeps opening doors because like people see that I've done this work and then they hit me up for other things. And, um, you know, because of that, I've kind of got to work a little bit more in the sync world hmm. with somebody that was the main connector 
uh, with that whole Bacardi situation. And we've continued a relationship past this, you know, uh, campaign. But yeah, it, that was definitely a highlight, especially, you know, I was in LA, we filmed a promo video for it. And then we wrapped it up in Puerto Rico in November. Like who doesn't want to go to Puerto Rico? Yeah. In November. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was such a short trip. It was only for three days, which, mm. um, I, I mean, I'll take it, but it was, it was so jam packed with like an itinerary and different events that they already had set up that I didn't get to explore you know, Puerto Rico and, you know, the culture and in my own sort of way. But um, it was like, it was, it was beautiful out there. Wow. That's amazing. That, that sounds like such a uh, important opportunity to be a part of. And I'm, I'm curious, was the, um, was the intention of the, the program to support female producers? Like, was that the, the goal of Bacardi's um, program or it just kind of as it kept rolling they just chose female producers or that was the 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 goal actually because cool. you know when when they were searching for like someone had reached out to me and they were looking specifically for female producers and to be honest when when this person contacted me I I they didn't give like they didn't give a lot of detail of what the campaign was about um so I I had just forwarded I forwarded my my music and then you know a lot of these pieces take came together like even as far as who the mentor was like I didn't find out that it was Boy Wanda until like closer to like recording the video and this took this took months because there were there were a lot of submissions and Boy Wanda had to listen to these submissions and he had to select so he selected three three of us myself um this producer DJ named uh, Bambi and then uh, this producer named Perfection, a uh, really dope producer uh, who is from New York, but lives in LA. And then Bambi, I believe is originally from Montreal. I could be wrong. But, and then also Toronto based. Um, so, so we got selected and that was the, the, the goal the entire uh, time. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I am curious, you know, to hear from you, <laughs> You know, if there are any specific um, obstacles or things that you can think of that that, um, you know, where where your gender has played a larger role than you would have wanted it to. Or, you know, you just if you have any kind of general general thoughts about that with school, there was like a handful of women in the program and some of them were a little bit intimidated, you know, to be in the room with these other boys. Like I would be the one that's like at the board, like what does this do? What does this do? How do you work? You know, that would be me. And then I'd see some of them like kind of like slinking down in the back, in the background. And, um, but I I also recognize that that kind of feeling of intimidation, it, it happens when, you know, you feel out of place. You're in a world that is, is dominated by, by men, Hmm. you know, and it's, and you, you kind of feel like, do I belong here? You know? And so the conversation is is shifting now, you know, there's a lot more conversations like happening between myself and other female producers or, you know, collaborations that happen between myself and other female producers or, or creatives that didn't used to happen. And that's, and that's happening because we're having the conversation. So on one hand, 
Like I'm, I'm a person that I don't like to talk about things for too long. Like I don't want to keep talking about the same thing over and over again. I want, at, at some point it's just like, okay, we've talked about this enough. What's the action plan? What are we going to do about it? Right. So, so like for me, that might be having some sort of workshop, for example, and it may be specific that this workshop is for, you know, only females or female identifying. Um, but that's, that's, you know, my, my choice, you know, I want it to be a safe space where women are feeling confident enough, you know, to come in, in a room full of other women and not feel intimidated, you know? And I think, I think that anything that we want to kind of like build and for like any sort of change that we want to see in the world, it has to start grassroots. So we like, we can have this conversation about dudes and what they're not doing, but if we're not, taking the initiative ourselves to kind of grow our own little girls club sort of Mm -hmm. um, and show that like we want to contribute our knowledge instead of letting them do that, you know, because a lot of times what we're going to see is, you know, men saying, Hey, you know what? I really want to be an ally, which is cool. And I want to, I want to do this workshop. I want to, you know, the facilitator to be a woman. I want the panel to be one, but, it's still you as a male that's running it, you know? So it's, it's cool. But now when we kind of like take that initiative and form our own clubs and we keep doing this, then eventually what happens is that these women, they, they leave these spaces and then they feel comfortable to go in the spaces with the men. And then also they start to spread the word to other women and say, Hey, you know, I know you've always been curious about making music and production. This is what's going on. Why don't you come to it? And then that woman says, Hey, sure. That's, that sounds cool. I'm going to come. And then we keep having that. And so you know, the percentage of this, like the stats are like, what, like 2%, 2 to 5%, mm-hmm. somewhere around there of, of female producers, right? And uh, song songwriters, like 12 to 15%, right? The more we keep doing this at a grassroot level and allowing it to grow, that 2 to 5% is going to become 5 to 8%. Totally. You know what I mean? And and it's going to keep happening, keep happening. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say, like, the frustration has to turn into action. Right. And, uh, and and yeah, definitely holding dudes accountable, you know, when they're kind of out of pocket or, you know, acting like, like douchebags. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, because there, there are, like, there, there definitely are a lot of, like, great men out there that want to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to understand and they want to help where they can um but it, it can't be on their shoulders only you gotta kind of like take the lead and then allow them to to follow right um but but the other piece to this puzzle because if we're talking about like a two to five percent for female producers we're gonna we're also talking about a, probably a even a less percentage as far as minorities so mm-hmm. myself as it i'm not just a female producer i'm a black female mm-hmm. producer so a lot of times when I go into a room, I might be the only person with my skin complexion that looks like that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's also another piece that I also try to, you know, I try to push that and, and move that needle as well, mm-hmm. because then then I have more, you know, young black females or, you know, women of color. They see me and they're like, oh, I see somebody that looks like me. You yeah. Know, representation. Yeah. So that's the other piece to the puzzle totally 
Yeah, no, that's that's mm-hmm. super helpful to mention. And, and you know, one of the, the whole reasons that I, I do this pod is that I want um, those who are, are starting out or aspiring producers to see that there are some people that, that look like me. You know, there are some people who look like me and who represent me that are out there doing their thing. So, you know, there there is space for me. Um and I, I just need to find it. Right. Um, but we're going to we're going to wrap up here. And I so appreciate you being on the pod for our last uh, little snippet. Would you be able just to give some encouragement to anyone who is uh, starting out in the world of production, just starting to get their hands uh, hands dirty in, in the production world? What would be your piece of encouragement um, for those who who are female identifying or women, non-binary, uh, and, and people of color, you know, young black femmes, as you were saying, what would be your piece of encouragement for them as they're just getting going? You, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. I, I think like half the battle is showing up. You have to show up. You have to, you have to show up and, and be confident enough to show up and, and also really be interested in the journey and the process and and fall in love with the journey and the process because I've been doing this for like more than 10 years right and I I feel like I've just kind of scratched the surface I'm just starting to scratch the surface and like there were there were definitely moments where I was impatient and I wanted certain things to happen faster but now now that I just I let things happen in it's like natural order and process and I just you know fall in love with that process and I and I stay open and humble enough you know with what I know and what I don't know and learning more and continually learning like I'm always on like say YouTube watching some sort of music tutorial or getting like advice yeah like super open to to growth right because going back to what I was saying about us, you know, as human beings, we grow every single day, right? That same thing for the things that we we learn and we we get to know. So my knowledge as a producer and my experience as a producer, I'm learning new things every single week. And so, so my production is going to evolve over time with that. So, you know, keep taking those shots, keep showing up in those rooms and trust me that's that's probably the best piece of advice I could give awesome yeah that's so helpful well thank you so much Dee for being here everyone needs to go listen to your new single home run that just came out Mm -hmm. and And uh, the EP the EP is called last call last call last call so hopefully people enjoy that absolutely sweet well thank you so much for being here We are going to end this episode of the Good and Plenty Producers Club podcast the same way that we end every show, which is by giving you a little encouragement. And today's encouragement is your art matters. You may be feeling like you're in a rut. You may be feeling like you're facing obstacles. You may be feeling like, what the hell am I doing out here? But your art matters. Your voice matters. The way that you see the world matters and deserves to be heard and understood and respected. Remember that everyone who's on this podcast started somewhere. There's a beginning to every journey. So just enjoy the ride and we got your back. Bye.